Now, the Constitutional Court has issued a scathing judgment on the South African government's handling of immigration laws. The court's landmark ruling has demanded a swift action to ensure the rights of suspected legal immigrants and shed light on the conduct of the Department of Home Affairs. The government has been, has been given a one-year deadline to pass new immigration legislation, whilst high-ranking officials face personal financial consequences for their role in what the court describes as deplorable lethargy. Joining us to unpack this judgment and its implications in greater detail is legal writer for Business Day, Torik Musa. Torik, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Of course. All right, Torik, take us through exactly how this matter even maybe landed in the Constitutional Court, um, you know, and what the finding of the Constitutional Court was uh, actually against the Department of Home Affairs. So this case, uh, the, the original judgment was handed down in 2017, and that case was brought by Lawyers for Human Rights. Lawyers for Human Rights was challenging the constitutionality of Section 34 of the Immigration Act. That provision of the Act allows for an arrest um, without a warrant of an illegal foreigner for purposes of deportation. What was what originally happened before the Constitutional Court was that you'd have uh, any efficient um, an immigration official arresting an illegal foreigner, and as I say, they don't need a warrant for this. And what the provision also allowed for, aside from arrest without a warrant, was a detention for up to thirty days without ever even seeing a court. Now, in that time, they were supposed to see a court, but there was no express language in the law that says that the person had to be seen by a court. Furthermore, what also occurred was what's supposed to happen after 30 days is if the official wants to keep that person detained for longer than 30 days because, you know, deportation is taking a while, that official must apply to the court and then the court, only the court can then grant the extension of that. What happened there as well was uh, there was also a failure to, to properly bring that person to court, and courts sometimes didn't even have oversight. And when I mean courts, it's often magistrates' courts who are doing that. So lawyers for rights, aware of this, brought this case and challenged it and saying it was unconstitutional because people were being denied access to courts, they were, their right to human dignity, etc., were being infringed. And the Constitutional Court obviously then agreed to this. In 2017, it then ruled that these provisions need to be properly amended to allow to meet the constitutional requirements, uh, such as the person who was detained had to be seen by a court within 30 days, and a court had to have proper oversight, etc. So there were various other provisions, but those are the key aspects. Um, government was given uh, two years to make that amendment, which meant 2019 was that deadline. Government did not meet that deadline. Therefore, uh, the deadline lapsed, and only in 2022, the Department of Home Affairs, which leads the process of rewriting the laws, rewriting the Immigration Act because it falls under the Home Affairs purview, attempted to basically, it, it, their language is revive, which is un, which they can't do. The Constitutional Court has made this very clear. Once their order has lapsed, that order doesn't exist. There's nothing to revive. It's a it's a corpse, essentially. But they nevertheless went ahead and tried to do that. They went to the High Court, which had no jurisdiction in any event, and then they came to the Constitutional Court. In that entire time, they never alerted lawyers for human rights uh, to this fact. And lawyers for human rights had to basically intervene on its own case, which was part of the reason that this litigation was, as the court uh, called it, ill-conceived. And so eventually uh, this week, the Constitutional Court 
was forced to then say, okay, look, we know it's not reviving, but we have to, we need this law to come into place and gave, and now have given uh, government a year and then slapped the minister and the deputy director, uh, the, the de- deputy general, sorry, the director general uh, with personal cost orders, which is very rare, especially this amount. I must ask you, you know, to talk, as I hear you speaking, I, I, I hear ill-conceived. I even see a little bit of sloppy. Uh, you know, the, the, the judgment from the Constitutional Court is scathing. Uh, you know, the, 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 they didn't hold back at the Constitutional Court with regards to just how, how, how much the whole uh, playing out of the situation lacks justice uh, for foreign nationals. I'm keen to, to speak on that. You know, what was the delay here? Uh, do we have a good reason for why it's taken so long for the immigration laws to come to pass? Uh, you know, and is this essentially uh, justice delayed and therefore denied? It is, it, is, uh, uh, it is justice delayed and justice denied, hence why the court felt that it had to... Um, it, it, spent, it spent half of its... Uh, 50 or 60 page judgment mm. simply rating the officials. Half of the judgment was spent doing that. And, half, and what that means is it was talking about the court spent all that time talking about why it is handing down a personal cost order, which, which means that the minister and director general are going to pay out of their own salaries when the eventual calculations come to bear. Uh, the explanation for why it took so long is as part of the reason why they gave this cost order, which was um, unsatisfactory. There was no actual reason. They, the court was not able to actually parcel out why it took so long. When the director general who deposed the affidavit explained, um, or rather attempted to explain what had occurred, let's say, since the 2017 ruling, part of the explanation that he tried to give was, for example, um, that in 20. 19 or so it, it is it was the it was elections of some kind mm-hmm. and as a result the mp's focus was no longer was not entirely on lawmaking then he also said that it then fell into 2020 which is of course COVID, and that affected everybody and then he also lists the parliamentary fire the response of course to the court is that is all irrelevant firstly the mp's duty is first and foremost to the citizens not to their political campaigns and so that is not a proper justification secondly COVID and the parliamentary fire which were obviously devastating and impactful happened a year and two years after the deadline so there's no explanation for missing a deadline that happened in the past so we don't actually have an explanation why there were attempts to explain it but obviously it, the court found them unsatisfactory so we don't actually know why and that is part of the reason that these that the payment is now coming out of their pockets. Just speaking to uh, you know litigation on behalf of government. I mean, in my mind, it also uh, sounds like uh, you know the legal advice that government has been getting hasn't necessarily been the most sound advice here at Torik. And so, has a new president been set now? You know, almost. Uh, forcing bearers or or office bearers to be very certain of, uh, you know, the legal advice they get because now they can actually be held liable uh, for costs and it won't be taxpayers' money uh, that they use for this litigation. Yes, so the court also was quite clear that um, though though it was obviously scathing towards officials because it was officials in charge, they did say that the litigation itself, so let's put aside the creation and amendment of the bill. Let's talk quickly about the litigation. The majority of the poor litigation was as a result of uh, of the lawyers and their impermissible conducts and their duties as lawyers. The court punished the lawyers directly 
by denying them their full fees. So what that means is that all the lawyers that were involved in any, all of this litigation can no longer, cannot send any bills to the department, which means you and I do not pay for it. They can't charge for it. And we're talking very senior officials and very senior advocates not being able to charge anything for, for this. So that was the punishment handed down by the courts. Um, so it, it has set a precedent also in terms of who uh, who the department now takes advice from, because now it's, you know, it's it's going to be pretty obvious to the department who they got advice from, who they're not going to take advice from anymore. Furthermore, the minister said that he himself was not involved in this litigation, which is uncontested. He had no idea about it until he read a news article on Daily Maverick. And therefore, did not even consult the senior advocate who obviously can charge, you know, very senior advocate fees, for example, nor did he, was he given any of the advice from the lawyers and so on, because he wasn't a participant in this. Um, so, yes, it, it does set some some precedent. Certainly the officials are now feeling the pinch of it. And they're feeling the pinch directly as a result of poor litigation advice. So, therefore, it's going to set some sort of precedent in who they take advice from in the future. I think that's a certainly encouraging, uh, Torek. Thank you so much for talking us uh, through this. A very, very interesting uh, developments there. That was a legal writer for Business Day, Torek Musa.